So today we're uh, continuing the kingdom series, the kingdom of God series, and uh, talking about the kingdom testimony. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to be reading from the Passion Translation today, but it'll be on the screen, but you may like a different translation, so you can follow along in yours in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, you're going to go, well, this, what does this have to do with testimony? But you'll see as it unfolds, and hopefully we'll go quickly through these, uh, these steps here to speak to that. Um, Luke chapter 10, uh, we're going to begin with verse 1. And he says, after this, the Lord formed 35 teams among the disciples, the other disciples. And each team was two disciples, 70 in all. And he commended them or commissioned them, say commissioned, commissioned them to go ahead of him to every town he was about to visit. He released them with these instructions. The harvest is huge and ripe, but there's not enough harvesters to bring it all in. As you go, say as you go. Plead with the owner of the harvest to drive out into the harvest fields many more workers. So the first thing I want you to see is that everything that we do, if we're going to be kingdom people, it's going to have to start with your prayer life. It begins with prayer. Say it begins with prayer. You see, when you go, I, like to, I don't like to just start out a scripture that says after this. Well, what is this? Then you have to go back and read the previous chapter, or the previous, the last part of the, Latin, the sec, uh, chapter 9. And you read that he's still using these, these uh, farming uh, 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 analogies. And he says this, and it's in the New King James. It's a little clearer than the Passion because he doesn't mention plowing. But in Luke 9, 62, the last verse of the previous chapter, Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. So in other words, if you're going to be fit for the kingdom of God, you need to be moving forward. How many of you have ever looked, uh, you've been driving, and I just did this this last week when we were on our trip, and you look to the side to see something, and then you look back and you're going that way. Anybody ever do that? All the husbands do that, and I know the wives notice that you do that. Or if you're looking to the right, all of a sudden you're in the shoulder of the road, you know, and you're like, back, get back in the road, you know, and so, but... When we uh, in the kingdom of God, he's called us to to keep on the path. And so we it be, but it begins. He's, he's saying, listen, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to do what I've called you to do, it's going to have to start with your prayer life. So he continues to speak in this chapter 10, verse one concerning a field that needs harvesting. OK, so what would it be like for a, uh, for a farmer? How many farmers do we have in here? I know we have a few. How many of you know that if you had this field and it was full and everything was ripe and it was ready to harvest, would you be sad if there was nobody to harvest the field? Wouldn't you be, wouldn't you be upset? You, you look out there and you go, this is, how many acres? It's, th- it's, th- it's a thousand acres and there's nobody that wants to go and work to go, to go bring in the grain, to go bring in the cotton, to bro- go bring in the whatever. And so he's saying that the fields are ripe. They're, they're over. They're, they're ready. They're huge. They're ripe. They're ready for harvesting. But where are the harvesters? Where are the harvesters? And he gave them this, the, he gave them this instruction. He said in the New King James, he says, Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. But when you study this verse, it makes more sense when you read the description that they show in the Passion. Let me read it again. The harvest is huge and right, but there are not enough harvesters to bring it all in. As you go, plead with the owner of the harvest, that's God, to drive out into the harvest field many more workers. He wants you to, he, he's saying, listen, there are workers, there are laborers, but they're not doing anything. And you need to get up off your haunches and you need to drive them out so that they can get out there and start harvesting this field that's ripe. It's ripe, it's huge, it's ready. 
So we're not going, you're, you're thinking, well, what has this got to do with us? Who, who are you? Who are y'all? I, I'm, here, I'm, I'm here today to drive you out of here. I'm here to drive you out of here. God, we have prayed. We have prayed and we've prayed and you've brought in the laborers. Say, I'm a laborer. Some of you are like, oh, I ain't no laborer. I'm a professional. <laughs> but we're called to go out. So where is the field? It's out there. When you leave this place, you're going to go into the field. And guess what? The Bible says it is ready to be harvested. There are people out there that are sin sick. There are people out there that are dis- dis- discouraged. They're mixed up. They don't know what sex they are. They, their marriages are on the rocks. They, they, they're, they're living in sin. They live from one addiction to another, one fix to the next fix. And they're out there outside these walls. And we're not going to fix it in here. We're just going to get ready to go out there and take the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the field is ripe in the harvest. But that's your job. That's my job. It's our job, says my job. And a lot of you said that. It's my job. Because I'm a laborer. And the fields are ready. See, it might be your family you got to go to. It might be like Jesse's family. You got to go out there and show them the love of Christ. It, it may be the neighbor that, man, keeps throwing beer bottles in your yard. Or reports you when your water's running down the curb. Or lets their dogs come over and poop in your yard. I had a neighbor like that, and I took a lot of prayer. Have we ever forgiven her for that? I don't know. Big old, mean, old, ugly dog. And they let the dog out, and you know where he would go? He'd just come straight to my yard. And I look out there, and it, I'm telling you, he must have eaten a whole lot. And, and I was, you know, one time I actually took a shovel and got some and put it back in their yard. I'm like, Really? This is not my dog. You'd ask the Lord to forgive me. But what he's saying is here is plead, plead with God. Ask God. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. And so we prayed. You're not here by accident. Say, I'm not here by accident. See, if you think you just showed up to Freedom Fellowship and now you're serving here, you, got, you joined here, you got saved here. You, listen, it's not an accident. God's called you here, but he's called you not to sit here. He's called you to go out of here and be a witness, to be, give your testimony, to see the kingdom of God advance, to grow. But it starts with prayer. It starts persevering prayer. It's not just God give me the strength to witness today. It's a persevering prayer. When you have people that you know that are lost, that are prodigals in your family, it's not like, oh God, I hope you save them. No, it's persevering prayer. It's supplication. It's on your knees. It's fasting. It's going, it's going before the Father and saying, God, 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 what, what do I need to do? It's, it's going after Him. It's going after God in your prayer life. It's persevering prayer. It's passionate prayer. It's continual prayer. The Bible says to pray without ceasing. I don't know exactly what that means. Some people, what does that mean to pray without ceasing? I believe it means that we have a continual, constant communication with God. That any moment, at any time, we can just God this, God that, God. And He speaks to us and we hear Him at any moment of any time. And there's a continual communication with God. He's called us to pray without ceasing. He's called us to pray, to seek His face. Because the world is... Dying in the world is going to H-E-double hockey sticks. 
hell. And it starts with prayer. Our prayer should be like Isaiah's prayer. Lord, hear my, send me. I'm a man of unclean lips, but Lord, hear my, send me. See, you might think today, well, I'm not perfect. Lord, hear my imperfect me, but send me. See, we're all waiting to get all perfect before we go out and, and share the, the gospel with somebody. Listen, they don't need to see your perfection. They need to see the love of Christ. They need to see the forgiveness of God in your life. They need to see that you're not holier than thou, that you're not self-righteous, that you're humble, and you go before them and listen, but for the grace of God, there I would go. But it begins with your prayer life. John Wesley said, God does nothing except in response to believing prayer. Faith-filled prayers, not fear-filled prayers, faith-filled prayers. God, I'm going out today. You're going to go before me. I know your word says that you're going to go before me. You're going to make a way. I'm going to make my plans, but you direct my steps. Father, you lead me to that person that's lost so that I can share the love of Christ with them. That's how the kingdom expands. That's how it grows. The, the, the field is white to harvest. Verse 3 says, now off you go. I am sending you out even though you feel as vulnerable as lambs going into a pack of wolves. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you won't need to take anything with you. Trust in God alone. The second thing we have to do as we have our foundation in our prayer life is we have to go out trusting God. Trusting God alone. It's, it's not easy out there. This culture is not easy to navigate. The, the, our children, listen, I'm so thankful that we prayed over our kids today. But the culture is trying to eat them alive. And Satan's behind this culture. And he's, and he's trying to destroy. He says he came to steal, kill, and destroy. And what, what is our job? Then we go out and we take everything that Jesus gives us to win back whatever the enemy's trying to steal. But he said, listen, you're going to go out. You're just like sheep, and there are a lot of wolves out there. One, wonder why Jesus said that, because he wants us to walk out there with our eyes open. He wants us to be aware of the schemes and the wiles of the devil. He wants us to be aware that we have an enemy, that he goes about. He's seeking whom he may devour. Say, may devour. See, when he says may devour, it doesn't say can. It says may. You have to give him an open door. You have to give him a, an invitation. He can't just come in and rob and steal and kill and destroy you. You have to let him in. So you have to go out in the power of the Holy Spirit and you go out and you go prayed up and you go take the love of Jesus because you know that only God, only trusting God is going to get you through this. So the second thing you've got to do is trust God. You don't trust a good program. You don't trust a better light show. You don't trust a better praise band. You don't, press, uh, you don't trust a good, bed, better music. You trust God alone. He said, don't take anything with you. Just take God when you go. A lot of people, well, I've got to have my, my track. If you need a track to, to, to share Jesus, take your track. But it says in, in the word of God that he's going to tell you what you need to say when you need to say it. Look at Luke chapter 12. Look at Luke chapter 12, verse 11. Remember this, when people accuse you before everyone and forcefully drag you before the religious leaders and authority, that's the wolves, okay? Do not be troubled. Don't worry about defending yourself or be concerned about how to answer their accusations. Simply be confident and allow the spirit of wisdom access to your heart and he will reveal in that very moment what you are to say to them. 
And I think this applies very much so to the people that are lost, that may be accusing you, that may be not understanding you. And you say, listen, Holy Spirit, speak to, speak to, speak to them through me. Give me the words to say. Because we're always trying to figure out, how am I going to approach somebody? How am I going to talk to somebody? How am I going to say the right words? Don't listen. Don't worry about that. If you're trusting in God, he will give you the words to speak. Or actually not to speak. Sometimes we just need to shut up. Sometimes we just need to hug them. Sometimes we just need to give them $5. Sometimes we just need to say, you know, invite them to church. I don't know what it is you're going to do. Holy Spirit's going to show you what to do, but you've got to be willing to listen to him. You've got to be willing to trust God. Verse 4, the second part of verse 4. And this is a big problem in our culture today. And don't get distracted for my purpose by anyone you might meet along the way. See, you, you see that verse, and you, you read it in other translations, and you go, well, why wouldn't you want to greet somebody? Well, why would Jesus tell them, don't greet anybody? Why would they say that? Well, hello, I'm Harold Watkins. I'm pastor of First Freedom Fellowship, uh, 342 South What's your name? Sandra Seals. What do you do, Sandra? Abba-dabba-doo, See, what happened back then is they had formal introductions. And they went on and on and on and on. See, we, he's saying don't get distracted by formal introductions. Don't get distracted. Don't get uh, dissuaded from the course that you're on. See, sometimes, it, oh, sometimes it's distraction like that. Let's get that fixed this way. Sometimes we let the least little things distract us from doing what we're supposed to do. Can I get a witness? You, you've got your plans. You've made your plans. You prayed this morning. You made your God, God, I'm trusting you. And you get out there, and the first thing, the devil kind of tries to blindside you with a flat tire. Or, or all of a sudden, you get a call from one of those telemarketers, and you can't get them off the phone. I can tell you how to get off the phone. just don't answer the phone. But... But you get distracted by some little thing here or some little thing there, and you forget your purpose for the day. Listen, many of us, we start out the day, God, thank you. I bless your name. Thank you for filling me with your Holy Spirit. Father, direct my steps. And about halfway through the day, all you're thinking about is what you're going to have for dinner. All you're thinking about is, I wonder if we taped that movie that we wanted to watch. And we forget our purpose for the day. And he says, don't get distracted. Don't whatever the distraction is. They can be good things, right? You can get distracted by good things. But if God has gotten, given you a purpose for the day and you're going out in the power of the Holy Spirit, allow him to speak and move in you and through you to accomplish the purpose that God has sent you out. See, he was sending these 70 guys out. This wasn't the 12. They've already been sent out. They've already come back. Now he's sending out 70 more. And he said, I want you to go out and I want you to do these things. And he said, I want you to go effect because I'm coming later. I want you to go lay the groundwork for me because I'm going to come. I'm the preacher, but I want you to lay the groundwork for me. That's what he was doing. Listen, when you go out, listen, you may, may be laying groundwork for bringing somebody to church. I mean, look at some of the people we've already talked about that have gone. They've been, they've been a part here. They've gone out. And guess what? They brought people back with them. 
I mean, I, every morning people, I met, I met a guy the first time this morning. He said, Pastor, I've been here for a while. And I haven't actually formally, formally introduced yourself. That's kind of funny. And uh, he said, my name is such and such. And he said, I said, well, where are you going? He was leaving. <laughs> I said, well, you're already leaving. He said, no, no, I brought somebody with me. I'm going out there to meet them. How many of you brought somebody to church with you before? How many? Come on. You brought somebody to church with you before. You invited them. They showed up. Okay? That's what he's talking about. Don't let, God, don't let the distractions of the world keep you from doing that. The third thing, since we're not supposed to be distracted, is we need to stay focused. Say, stay focused. Okay? Back in, the, in, the, in that day, listen, they got, so, they got so distracted by the things going on around them. And God, Jesus said, listen, keep your eyes on me. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verse 1. I love this passage. It says, as for us, we have all these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us. How many of you have been pierced by wounds? How many of you been wounded? Okay, that's a distraction. That has pierced us in the sin. How many of you have sinned before? Oh, we have many, many liars here today. Wow, and that's a sin. So everybody, okay. Wow, I love it. when you been sin? Hmm? No. Not going to let the pastor know I sin. <laughs> oh, you fool me. Uh-huh. The sin we so easily fall into, then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination for the path has already been marked out before us. We look away, look at verse 2, we look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze unto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy. Say the joy. His heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. He endured the agony of the cross. Listen, because of the joy and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. Listen, when you think about witnessing, when you think about your testimony, when you think, think about going out and sharing your, your, your witness to the lost world, you should think of this. Oh, man, I, this is a joy. So we, 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 we put people in their minds. Oh, man, witnessing is Oh, it's hard. Witnessing is difficult. Man, people are going to reject you. People are gonna, not going to want to listen to you. If, they, if you start walking up to their doorstep, and I'm not saying we're doing the two-by-two two thing, but they, they just they don't, they want to hear, they don't want to hear about Jesus. Listen, they may not want to hear about Jesus, but they need to see Jesus. They may not want to hear about him, but they need to see Jesus. And they need to see Jesus in you and in me. Wouldn't it be a joy to lead somebody to Jesus? Wouldn't it be a joy to see somebody step out of bondage and addiction into freedom? Wouldn't it be a joy to see a family restored? So when you think about it, well, I'm not going to witness. I don't have a testimony. I'm too scared. I'm too afraid. Listen, then you're going to allow some people to go to hell because you're afraid to open your mouth? I'm just saying. See, we don't think of that, do we? We just think, well, I don't have anything to say. You know, I, 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 I can't really tell them. Man, my life's a mess. I, I, I really can't share anything good with them. And so God's going, no, 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 you can. I'll give you the words. They're on their way to hell. Would you like to stop them from going to hell? See, we don't even want to talk about hell anymore. We don't want to talk about an eternity burning in hell. We don't like to mention that. It doesn't sound, it's not pleasant to the palate. 
So we don't want to talk about that. But listen, when you intervene and God has called you and directed you to somebody to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, you may have the, op- you have the opportunity to give them a choice. It doesn't mean you make them get saved. You can get them saved. But you're going to give them the choice of knowing Jesus Christ and having their whole life turned upside down in a good way. So next time you think, I can't say anything, listen, you can say something. You don't have to be perfect to say something. You just have to be forgiven. You just have to know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. I love Luke 15, 10. says that's the way God responds every time one lost sinner repents and turns to him. He says to all of his angels, listen, this is what he says. Let's have a joyous celebration for that one who is lost I have found. Don't you want to have a part of that? I'm I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I want to ask you to think about this. And this is not to put guilt on anybody or condemnation. The enemy is good enough of that to do that. It's for you to think about your testimony, because that's what we're talking about today. So don't raise your hands. How many of you have ever personally led somebody to Jesus Christ? I see hands going up. I said, don't raise your hand. Jesus. How many of you have ever led somebody to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? Because when you did that and they prayed that prayer, the angel said, turn the music up. It's a party! Jesus, I just, just, Jesus is, oh man. They're having a good time up there like, there's another one, there's another one. Oh, I'm so glad they didn't zip their mouth. I'm, I'm so glad they opened up and shared that there was a way to eternal life. And it didn't cost him anything. It was a free gift. See, we get to give this free gift of, of salvation. We offer it to people. You received it. So don't you want to give it away? We can't hold on to this. We've got to be willing to give it away, church. Verse 5. Once you enter a house, speak to, speak to the people there and say, God's blessing of peace be upon this house. If a lover of peace resides there, your peace will rest upon that household. But if you're rejected, your blessing and peace will come back upon you. Don't feel the need to shift from one house to another, but stay put in one home during your time in that city. Eat and drink whatever they serve. You receive their hospitality, for you are my harvester, and you deserve to be cared for. When you enter into a new ha- a town and you have been welcomed by its people, follow those rules and eat what has served you. The fourth thing I want you to see is develop relationships. Develop relationships. See, some people want to, they think I'm going to go door to door. Hey, if you die tonight, do you know where you spend eternity? Man, I don't know if that, that, that's the way you, God's going to tell you to do it. But most of the time, he wants you to get to know somebody. And he wants them to get to know you. Because when they get to know you and they get to see Jesus in you, they might ask you the question. You might not have to ask them the question. You, they might just say, well, what, what is up with you? I, I heard that your dog died last week. You don't seem to be just like consumed with uh, overwhelming grief. I see that, you know, your car, you have a flat tire, and I haven't heard you out there in the yard cussing. Well, what's up with you? And, and, and I found this out, and I found that out about you, and it just seems like you have this joy, you have this peace about you. See, we should be the people that carry the peace, the peace that passes understanding. You should be the peaceful neighbor. Not the grumpy neighbor. 
Get them kids out of my yard. Get that dog out of my hand. <laughs> See, I'm not perfect. I don't, y'all didn't know that, but my wife knows. Develop relationships. I, I know that when you look at that passage, they, they said, you know, you're going to bring peace into a house. We should bring peace to our neighborhood. Hello? Shouldn't we? You should be the peaceful driver in the, in the crowd. You should be the peace, peaceful person in the, the line at Walmart where everybody else's line's moving and yours isn't. Or Chick-fil-A. I did it again the other day. I got in the line at Chick-fil-A, and I'm telling you that the, the, the red car was over here, and I'm thinking there's like two cars. I'm, I'm going to be two cars ahead of the red car. So I get into the other lane, and I'm telling you, after the red, I'm sitting there, promise you. I'm sitting there, and the lady says, you'll be going after that white pickup after the red car. <laughs> Peaceful. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just thankful I can pay for my food. Going, how did she get up there? I got the slowest order taker of all of Chick-fil-A. Listen, our attitude has everything to do with how we approach the lost people. It's our attitude. How are you going to approach people? As God's directed your heart, are you going to approach them with love? You know, there's a great way to get to know people. Find out what they like. See if there's something that you have in common. You know? You can witness to somebody and just find out something that they have in common. Maybe it's kids. Maybe it's grandkids. Maybe it's a sports team. Maybe, maybe, it's, uh, maybe it's cars. Maybe it's a hobby. You, you find out something that they like and you start talking to them and then they let them get to know you. You get to know them. And as, a, as the Holy Spirit gives you opportunity, share Jesus with them. Invite them to church. You know what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 22? He said, I became weak to, to the weak to win the weak. I've adapted to the culture of every place I've gone so, so that I could more easily win people to Christ. I've done all this so that I would become God's partner for the sake of the gospel. Don't hammer somebody over the head. Do you know Jesus? Don't beat them up. Love them. Give them peace. Sometimes the greatest witness that we have, listen, is we're, is we're trying to win people to Jesus. Sometimes our greatest witness is what God has done in our life. Everybody in here has a testimony. Say, I have a testimony. If you're saved, you have a testimony. If you're saved, if you know Jesus Christ is your Lord, you have a testimony. Simple. Yours may be, he rescued me out of prison. That's, that's the good ones, you know. Like, oh, yeah, I always used to be this, that, bad. Man, I was bad. My picture was up in the post office. And, geez, God saved me. And I saw the light. And, man, everything is, uh, I'm just changed from inside out. And it was just incredible. And, but your testimony, well, my testimony is, well, I was eight years old. And the preacher preached. And I, I felt bad. And I walked up the aisle. And I prayed. And I received cross. And they wanted to baptize me. And that's a great testimony. That's a great testimony. Can I tell you what Jesus has done in my life? Can I tell you? What he's done in my marriage. Can I tell you what he's done for my children? Can I tell you what he's done in my finances? Can I tell you what he can do in your life if you'll let him? That's your testimony. Nobody can take that from you. 
It may not be the most smooth production of a testimony. But it's your testimony. You've got to say, this is me. Nobody can steal this from me. I want to tell you what Jesus did for me. And I'm not arrived yet. I'm not perfect. But can I tell you what he did for me? At the age of 30, when we, my wife and I said, I'm going into full-time ministry. And she said, if he's, you're going, if he would have called you, he would call me. And pretty soon we were on the road to divorce. We tell this story to every married couple that's having trouble. Our premarital counseling. We tell them what God did in our marriage to restore our marriage. And if he can do it for us, he's no respecter of persons. He can do it for your marriage and your marriage and for your family. He can restore and renew. He can buy back the things that we thought were lost and stolen and gone. That's our testimony. I've had people say, I said, how did you find Freedom Fellowship? We saw your testimony. We saw your video on, face, on, on your website. We just watched the story of how God birthed this. It's just our story. You know, a lot of people have a lot greater stories than our story, but it's just our story. What's your story this morning? What's your story? You see, when you develop a relationship, when you're bathed in prayer, when you're focused on God, you're trusting God, then you can do what it says in verse 9. Then heal the sick and tell them all God's kingdom realm has arrived and is now within your reach. So when you develop a relationship with a family or with a person and they begin to trust you and they see that you're a person of of sound mind, that you really are a person of peace, that you're not there to judge them, you're not there to rake them over the coals. And then all of a sudden they they hear your testimony and then you say, can I pray for you? Yeah, pray for me. I need healing. I need restoration. I need salvation. I need something. Pray for me. And they'll, they'll trust you. They'll let you pray. How many of you have asked somebody if I can pray for you? Come on. How many of you have asked, can I pray for you? Listen, if they know anything about you and you're walking with the Lord, you know what the usual the response is? Yes. Please do. I need prayer. Everybody needs prayer. So don't be afraid to say it. Don't be afraid to ask the question. Can I pray for you? I want to tell you, I know a lady that was healed of cancer. I know, I know a marriage that was restored. I know somebody that was, man, they were, on, they were on the brink of suicide and they gave their life to Christ and now they're living for Jesus Christ. Listen, they, I, I, know, I know a family that got their kids back from CPS. I know a family that was, they were just drowning in drugs and they were dealing in drugs and they were, the, and they were so and so demonic. Uh, they were just covered up in the demons and I've seen them get free of that and I've seen them now living for Jesus Christ. Listen, We can tell them our story. That's our story. Heal the sick. He told us to do that. He didn't say, take them to the preacher. He said, you do it. You're going door to door. You're living with these people. You've gotten to know them. Just say, can can we pray for you? God's kingdom realm has arrived. It's now within your reach. After Jesus was resurrected before his ascension in Mark 16, 17. He said, And these miracle signs will accompany those who believe. They will drive out demons in the power of my name. They will speak in tongues. They will be supernaturally protected from snakes and from drinking anything poisonous. And they will lay hands on the sick and heal them. God's word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hasn't changed. He wants to do the same things he did then. Now, 
but even in greater numbers, because in John 14, 12, he says this, this is Jesus, this is not somebody else, not an apostle, this is Jesus, I tell you the timeless truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do. And, and I don't think he was like, oh, you're going to do the same. He was just like, this is a matter of fact. Hey, you know me, I live in you, Holy Spirit lives in you, you're going to do the same things that I've done. Because I'm in you. Same mighty miracles, even greater miracles than these, because, hey, I'm going to be with my Father. So I want to give you the Holy Spirit. You go do what I've been doing. I don't think he made a big deal out of it. I just think he said, hey, that's what you do. That's who I am. I'm in you. Go do what I do. And we, we make a big deal out of it. I don't know if I can pray somebody to be healed. I, I don't know if I can lay hands on the sick. And you know what? It didn't even say to pray for him. Just say, lay hands on the sick and believe. You, do you believe? Well, these, fi- these signs will follow you. You don't have to manufacture them. They don't go in front of you. They follow you, just like the wake in a motorboat, man. They're just like, woo, let's see, got healed. Oh, she got healed. Oh, look at that family got restored. Oh, look, they got saved. It follows us. Like a puppy that's lost, you know? And once a, you, you drop a breadcrumb, that, you know, people, will, people want the anointing. They want to go after the anointing. They want to go after the presence. They don't even know they're going after it, but God's created that within us. That there's a void in our hearts until we find Jesus Christ who doesn't get filled. And we have a part in that. And we have a part in that. Those are signs of the kingdom. I forgot to tell you that. (laughs) Those are signs of the kingdom. Verse 10. But when you enter a city, they do not receive you. Say to them publicly, we wipe our feet the very... We wipe from our feet the very dust of your streets as a testimony before you. Understand this, God's kingdom realm came within your reach, and yet you have rejected God's invitation. Number six is our testimony. I know that seems harsh. Hey, Jesus said, if they reject you, there's a lot more fields that need to be harvested. See, we don't like to be rejected. But I'm telling you, there are times when you just, you, you give the gospel, you give your testimony, and they say, don't want anything to do with you. And you say, God bless you. I would just bless you to know Jesus Christ. At some point in your life, I'm, just, I'm sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, but i got to move on. Some of us get bogged down in the same person or the same people over and over and over. Now, listen, I'm not telling you that you shouldn't stay and you shouldn't pray. Holy Spirit will tell you what to do there, okay? Holy, I'm not telling you. Holy Spirit will tell you. But he was telling, he had a mandate for them. You got to get this word out. I'm coming to their towns. And so you go. If, if, they, if they don't want to believe, and just, just shake the dust off your feet and keep going. Keep moving. There's plenty out there that want to believe. There's plenty out there that want to believe. They just haven't heard yet. I'm driving you out the doors today. <laughs> First Peter 2, 9 says, But you are God's chosen treasure. I want you to hear this. Priests who are kings. Say, I'm a priest. I'm a king. And we're, we're a spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light. Hallelujah. And now he claims you as his own. Boy, this is a good passage. He did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. Okay, broadcast. Anybody ever, ever have a favorite station and then you lose it as the farther... You get out of town, and you're like, oh, man, I want to hear that. I was listening. I'm tuning into a football game, and I can't hear it anymore. And So you, you, you lost the signal. See, some Christians lose their signal. 
They quit broadcasting. They quit broadcasting the marvelous news of Jesus Christ. I don't know what causes it. Uh, the cares of this world, failure, sin, uh, whatever it is, the enemy, the distractions come. The cares of this world come in. They begin to rob you of, your, of your, the joy of the Lord. And you quit broadcasting the gospel. You quit broadcasting the love of Christ. So I'm going to ask you this morning, what's your broadca- what are you broadcasting? You're broadcasting something, right? Are you broadcasting the love of God? Are you broadcasting the peace of God, the peace that passes understanding? Are you broadcasting to the world that, man, God really doesn't work? You know, I've tried this church stuff. I've tried this gospel. I've tried Jesus. just doesn't seem to be working for me. And what are you broadcasting? When, when people see you at Walmart or they read what you write on Facebook, what are you broadcasting in social media? What are you broadcasting by the way you respond to adversity in your life? What are you broadcasting when that person cuts you off in traffic? What are you broadcasting in your life? What, that's your testimony. That's what people are seeing. That's what people are seeing. Everybody here has a testimony. Say, I have a testimony. How many of you know people know what's coming out of your mouth? How many of you know that? People are listening. How many of you know people are watching you? You may not think that they're watching you, but they're watching you. You may not have a platform like this, and people listen. I mean, I get, I get emails, I get texts, I get phone calls. I get, man, I didn't understand why or I, that made sense to me or whatever. People are listening. But they're listening to you, too, because you have a voice. You're out there. You're out there. They're watching you. What are you broadcasting today? And finally, verse 16. We're going to skip uh, 12 through 15. It really talks about judgment for people that reject Christ. You can go back and read that. But verse 16, I, this is so important. I wanted to get this in. And I know it's late, but it's okay. Jesus concluded his instructions to the 70 with these words. Remember this. Say, remember this. Whoever listens to your message is actually listening to me. And anyone who rejects you is rejecting me. Not only me, but the one who sent me. We have an obligation, church, and that's to broadcast the message of hope, the message of Jesus Christ. We are not responsible for how people respond. When you share Jesus, you are 100% successful. When you share Jesus, you are 100% successful. It's not up to you how they respond. It's up to you how you and what you broadcast, what you're giving out there, what your testimony is. That's our responsibility. God's not going, I can't believe they didn't get saved because of your testimony. God didn't say that. He said, thank you. Thank you for lifting up my name to them. There's a day you just planted a seed. You don't know this, but 20 years from now, I got plans for them. They're going to get saved because you planted a seed and somebody else planted a seed and somebody in five years from now, you don't know this, but somebody else is going to plant a seed and there's going to be a day that they're going to step in. You know what? I remember that missionary. I remember my neighbor telling me about Jesus. I remember and I didn't get it then, but I get it now. And now I'm stepping into eternal life because of the seeds that have been sown. Sow those seeds. Don't, don't worry about the results. Give the results to God. So we think it's all about us. Oh, they reject it. No, they don't reject you. They're rejecting Jesus. 
Don't be afraid of rejection. Don't let fear of rejection stop you from being a witness and broadcasting Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. I'm going to close with this verse. Ministry team, you can go ahead and get ready to come. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says this, We are ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ to the world as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. Think about that. So we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf. Turn back to God and be reconciled to him. Would you stand this morning? Man, today, I, I, I know some people might think, I, I can't believe that church has a two-hour service. Yeah. Well, I just, I'm kind of like, was it Peter that said, I can't help but tell the wonderful things God is doing or has done? Is that, was it Peter or James or John? One of them. All three of them. I, I can't help but tell you of what God's doing here. I, I can't help but let Jesse come up here and tell you or, or, or Drew or Wes or, or uh, many, many others in this body what God is doing here. And it's because of, that you're broadcasting something out there and people are getting the message. They're going, you know, we have a great reputation in the city. Do you all know that? How many of you know that uh, you tell with the, and maybe not everybody knows. I know not everybody knows, but sometimes they'll say, well, I'm, where do you go to church? Well, I'll go to Freedom Fellowship. I've heard about that church. Y'all feed people, don't you? Yes, I've heard about that church. Y'all have a, the, a group that goes out and helps w- widows and, and with their home. Yes, I've heard about that. Y'all have a deliverance ministry. I had a friend there that was bound up in drugs and they got free of drugs. Uh, yes, that's yes, 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 yes. Because God's here, Holy Spirit's here, and he's doing some amazing things here. So why would you not want to bring people in to fill this place up to overflowing? Because God is doing amazing things here, despite me. And all of us with our imperfections, he works through us and and beyond us. It's not us, it's him. And we're just letting him work. But we've got to go out and be these ambassadors. It broadcasts this amazing love. Amazing love. Amazing forgiveness. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Go ahead, Jeff. Bow your heads and close your eyes. I want, to th- I want you to think just, just introspectively for a minute about your testimony. I want you to just think back when you got saved. You might even remember who, who was instrumental in leading you there. It might have been a friend or a parent. Just think about your testimony. I want you to think about where you are today in relationship where you might be if God had not intervened in your life. That's a pretty good testimony right there, isn't it? I've asked this before. A lot of people say, man, I'd be in jail. I'd be in prison if it wasn't for Jesus. I'd be in such a, ba- I'd be in such a bad shape if it wasn't for Jesus. And you know, some of you this morning, you may be in a bad place. And yet the word has just gone out that God is the healer. He's the restorer. He forgives. He sets us free. So maybe that's you this morning. I've been broadcasting the gospel of Jesus Christ today. And his Bible, the Bible says his word will not return void. It will accomplish what it sets out to do. See, I, I, I could just get up here and read the word and he'd, he'll do it. I'm not doing anything except just telling you my testimony. But you got a testimony. Say, I've got a testimony. Now, this is why I'm going to pray over you this morning.
I want your testimony to be broadcast this week. I ask that God would direct you to someone, maybe just one person this week. I don't want to scare you, <laughs> but maybe just one person this week. God's going to line you up like he lines up the stars in the solar system. He's going to line you up with somebody, and they're going to say, they're going to ask you the question, what's different about you? What have you got that I seem to be missing? And all you're just going to say is, and can I just tell you about my life before Jesus? And don't go into a lot of detail about your life before Jesus. Don't give any glory to the enemy. But just say, God, I want to tell you what my life was like before, but I want to show you what it is now. I'm not perfect, but I'm forgiven. I'm not perfect, but my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I don't have it all together, but I've, I serve the one who does have it all together. Let them know that Jesus loves you and forgives you and surrounds you every moment of your, of your life with his grace and his mercy. Tell them about Jesus more than you tell them about you. And then see what God wants to do in their life. Well, Pastor, I don't know how to, how to lead them through the sinner's prayer. Listen. Somebody made that thing up, the sinner's prayer. I, I know there's a lot of ways to say the sinner's prayer, but I know the thief on the cross said, eh, Jesus, he said, just remember me when you come to your kingdom. And Jesus said, you, you're remembered. Today you'll be with me in paradise. We think we've got to give him a whole list of all of our sins. He just says, come to me, all you who labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Just invite them in to the love relationship with Jesus Christ. God will get, Holy Spirit will do the rest. He'll do the rest. Don't worry about it. He'll give you the words to say. So, Father, this morning, I just speak life over every believer in this room. That this week, they're going to look behind them and see signs and wonders and miracles because they believe. We're not going to manufacture anything. We're just going to say, God, you're awesome. Thank you, Jesus. And Father, this week that you would lead them to somebody or somebody to them that they can give a word, a blessing, a, a word of salvation, a word of healing, a word of hope to somebody that's lost. That the kingdom of God would, this, this field that's wide in the harvest, that as the laborers leave this building, they're going to come back next week. With, Pastor, you're just not going to believe what happened this week. You're not going to believe the people I got to witness to. Do you realize if everybody here just went out and shared the gospel, and each one of you won one person, that the, the, the church doubles in one Sunday, one week? And the numbers are just incredible if we were actually doing what we're supposed to do. We would, uh, we would be, we'd be at three services in no time. We would be. So, Father, give us a yielded heart today to do what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.